Nice. All right. If you got your Bibles, and I hope you do, go to the book of Nehemiah, which is how I was taught to say it. I'm pretty sure you're supposed to say Nehemiah, but we'll just keep it, we'll keep it simple. Nehemiah it is. Nehemiah. Okay. Also, everyone's got notes, pens, everyone's got what they need? Good. What page was it on? Someone want to help us out? Three what? 398, if you got one of our Bibles, 398. This is brick by brick, the very first week of the series, brick by brick. Who's excited? We got bricks. We got bricks. I, I, I asked, I asked um, Bella and Anissa to go set up two, two piles of bricks on stage. Anissa made this pile. <laughs> Bella... <laughs> Bella made this pile, um, so uh, give it up for Bella and Anissa, crush it. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so you're in Nehemiah, um, actually you can go to chapter 12, chapter 12, wow. yeah, we're going straight to the end, um, there will be a spoiler alert tonight, you are going to see the end of Nehemiah before we get anywhere else in Nehemiah, which is just the way it's going to go, just the way it's going to go, if they only knew. Okay, so where have we been? We've been at Trademark. We've been going through the Bible um, literally from cover to cover. We're trying to go chronologically. And so we've spent, man, are we at two years now? Are we coming in at two years? Two years. Yeah? We're, at, we're coming in at our two-year mark of going through the Bible. We are all the way up to the book of Nehemiah and Ezra. And so that's where we're going today. Just to recap, for those of you who haven't been here or maybe you were here for the series Collapse, um, which was the series before our value series. Um, and so we took a little break to talk about our values. During the series collapse, we looked at the collapse of God's people, Israel. Remember they had been split into two separate kingdoms, Judah and Israel, and they collapsed. And now they're in captivity. The, the whole nation, it's hard for us to even imagine this nowadays, but their entire nation is in captivity in Babylon. That's not a good place. They, they were taken from their homes, they were taken from their, their city, they were removed from the temple where they worshipped the, the, the one true God, they were removed and, and placed in this foreign city, and they've been there about 50 years, and uh, after a long time, they're going to get to return home. Everyone go, aw, aw, it's so good to be home. And uh, they're going to be able to return home to the, the land that God had promised them, to the, the city that they had built, to the temple where they had worshipped the one true God. They get to go home, and, and they're, they're still technically in captivity, but the king, he's so powerful this time, Cyrus the Great. Anyone with the last name the Great, you know they're great. That's why I named my son Micah the Great. Um, that's okay. Um, so Cyrus the Great is like, you know what, I'm so great, you can go back home and start rebuilding. It's pretty nice of him, right? And so what they're going to do, I'm just going to kind of sum up the story because we don't have time to read all of Ezra and all of Nehemiah. Yeah. Right? Say thank you, Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Pastor Gabe. You're welcome. Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> and, um, and so I'm not going to read. I'm just going to kind of sum it up. So here's what's going to happen. They're going to go back home in three waves of people. Three waves of people. And, uh, and we're, we're going to look at that um, tonight, and we're going to see a lot from that. We're going to learn. Um, but as they head home in three waves, waves of people, they're not going home to something that looks like this. If this is supposed to be like a beautiful kingdom, if this is supposed to be put together and well 
assembled and clean and neat and everything looks good here, which might have been what they had at one point in their life. Uh Instead, they're going home to something that looks more like this. And they know it's going to look like this. This isn't a shock to them. They know it's been destroyed. They, they didn't take care of it. They didn't follow God's, um, God's ways. And so they're taken in captivity. So they know that, that, that home's a mess, right? That they know that that's what's going on. And, uh, and, and they're still going to go home because, and you can fill this in, it's time to rebuild. Yeah. It's time to rebuild. And, and, and let me just get right into where we're going with that. This is true for, for them in, in this time. And this is true for, for so many of us in this room, where, where it's just time to rebuild. And, and, and some of you maybe grew up in church, maybe you grew up in like a good, loving home, and your parents taught you to live according to God's word. Maybe it wasn't a perfect home, your parents weren't perfect, but, but they, were, they were trying to, to do things right, and this is kind of what they expected. And if you're honest and you look at your life now, your soul, what's going on inside, even if we can't see it, although maybe we can, um, even if we can't see it, this is what you, you feel like. This is what you think it looks like on the inside. And, and let me just tell you right off the bat, it's time to rebuild. It, it's time to rebuild. We have to rebuild our soul. We have to rebuild our relationship with Christ. We can't let it stay like this too long. It's time to come home. That's right. it, it's so important. And so this is how many people actually start coming to church or come back to church or start a relationship with Christ. Um, they, they come to church because when they look at their life, they feel like it's crumbling. They feel like they don't have it all together. They feel like they're missing something. Or, or maybe it's not crumbling. Maybe they wouldn't go that far because they're not, they're not as honest with themselves as they should be. Maybe they would just say it looks a little out of place. Uh-huh. And this is freaking out right now. Um, <laughs> it looks a little out of place. And they're like, man, it's a little, it's a little weird. I'm going to see if I can go and get this thing adjusted. And, and so they, they come to church with hope that something like this might happen, that they might rebuild, that it might be stronger, that they might be better for it. And, and, and we're going to learn all this from Nehemiah. How do we rebuild? How do we rebuild our soul? How do we rebuild our relationship with Christ? Some of you have never been a Christian. You weren't raised in a Christian home. How do you just build a relationship with Christ from, from nothing? You didn't have Christian parents. You didn't have a home that, was, that even cared about the Bible. There's people here most weeks who don't even necessarily believe that there is a God. So what do we start with with all of that and how do we rebuild? We're going to see this in Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, so the first wave, let me just sum up the story for you. Just bear with me so you get an idea of the whole thing. The first wave would be led by a man named Zerubbabel. Uh-huh. Zerubbabel. And if you want to read this, and you should, it's Ezra chapter 1 through 7. Read that on your own. Um, and, and his whole purpose was he was going back to rebuild the altar and the temple. He's going to go back and rebuild the altar and the temple. He's taking a bunch of people with him, and he wanted to establish right living and holiness with God. He's trying to rebuild the altar and the temple. And so they go back. The very first thing they do when they get there is they rebuild the altar. And it's glorious, and it's exciting, and it's awesome. And they've been gone for like 50 years, and now they're trying to get back home. And they rebuild an altar to God, and then they rebuild the temple, and it's glorious, and it's awesome, and there's so much awesome things going on. And and then shortly after, the second wave of people that are being allowed to return home are going to be led by Ezra. You can read about this in Ezra 7 through 10. Ezra is going to lead some people back with the primary hope to build up a love for God's word and community. He's going to establish God's commands and how God wants them to live and the the rules that God wants them to live by, not because God is just a God who throws down rules, but because God is so loving, he puts up 
rules, maybe guardrails in our lives to protect us. Think of it like that, right? Rules, sometimes, maybe you're in middle school, high school, and you're like, man, my parents have so many rules. Life has so many rules. I hate rules, right? Amen? Anyone hate rules? You can be honest. I'm with you. I hate some rules. And, and you look, and you're like, man, I hate all this. these rules. They're so stupid. But, but if you're, and some rules are stupid. Let's just be honest. Amen. Um, but most rules, most rules are because someone loved you enough, someone cared for you enough to protect you, right? The, the reason I don't let Micah have ice cream for every meal is not because I hate him. It's because I love him. And if I only let him eat ice cream, I'm letting him kill himself. Yep. You see, that's a good rule, right? That's right. I mean, he doesn't think so, by the way. He thinks it's a terrible rule. But it is a good rule. The, the reason we, we don't let our kids run out in the middle of the street without looking both ways isn't because we hate them and we don't want them to have any freedom. It's because we love them and we don't want them to get, become a pancake, right? That's right. Like, that's why. And so, so rules usually are there to love and protect and care for people. And, and so he's coming back with a second wave of people that have been in captivity to try to rebuild this love for God's commands, That's God's right. standard, God's way of living. And then way later, a third wave comes back, and this is led by Nehemiah. And you can read it, Nehemiah 1 through 7. And his primary hope is to rebuild the walls. He wants to rebuild the walls, and, and this would establish dwelling. Like, like we're here for the long haul. We're, we're not in a mobile home anymore. We're, we're here for, forever. We're going to build walls. We're going to have some foundation. We're going to be safe and protected. This is permanent. This is a good thing. And all these things were, were, were set up by God. God wanted them to do these things. They wanted to do these things. They just wanted to feel at home again. This might sound like a little weird, but there's been times in my faith, and I think in your faith, where things have maybe started to look like this, and it just feels messy, and it feels out of control, and you just want to feel at home again. You just want to feel like you're good with, with Christ again. You just want to walk into church and not just be overwhelmed with guilt one week. Anyone ever been there? You just want to walk in the door and feel like, oh, this is good. I don't feel guilty walking in. I just feel good. You want to be able to pray and, and speak to God and feel like, man, he is enjoying this time as much as I am. He loves talking with me. He loves communicating with me. Not like he's just waiting to throw a lightning bolt at my forehead. Right? And so we feel like this, and, and they're going to establish home. I just want to feel at home again. I just want to have a right relationship with God. And uh, in this story, we're going to see really, and, and let me, I just can't hold this back, but really we're going to see in this story how much work is required to rebuild something like this. It's not easy. See, sometimes people start coming to church, and for whatever reason, maybe I say something wrong, maybe they hear it wrong, maybe they're just expecting it some way. It's like they're expecting me to tell them something easy. Like, just give me these three things to do, and then I'm good forever, Pastor. And it's like, man, that, that's just not there, <laughs> right? The Bible is full of, of, of things to do, and, and yes, Jesus does the great work on the cross, and, and that's true, but in your life as a Christian, in your life just as a human, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And in Ezra and Nehemiah, there's a lot of work that goes on. And here's the thing. Let me just tell you the whole story. All of them succeed. All three leaders, which is weird because how many of you have been here for most of these, uh, us going through the Bible? Uh -huh. Okay. Most people don't succeed in the Bible, That's right. right? Everyone's like, the Bible's full of great people. No, the Bible's full of failures. 
That's why you're invited, right? Um, uh-huh. And so, yeah, everyone fails. These guys all succeed, all three of them. Zerubbabel succeeds, Ezra succeeds, Nehemiah succeeds. And so what we have is we have an altar and a temple that are built, and it's awesome. And what we have at the end of Nehemiah is the people that actually do confess their sins, and they make significant changes in their life, like big changes. They make significant changes in their life. We, we also have a wall that got built. They, they have some permanence. They, they have some safety. They're protected. And, but they all, not only did they all succeed, but they all had to overcome obstacles. They all had to, to go through some some um, oppression of some sort. They had to work through these things with God. It wasn't easy. In fact, it was super challenging. It was, it was extremely challenging, and they had to make some tough decisions, but they did it. They did it. And, and it's, in, it's encouraging, I think, as we spend just four weeks in this series. I think you'll be encouraged to know that they worked hard. They, 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 they prayed, and they, they sought God for help, and they did it. That is possible. You can do it. You can actually achieve what God is putting in front of you. And then it ends in kind of the way you would expect, I guess, in, in chapter 12, which you're already there, and I didn't turn there yet. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. You with me, bro? I like that. You know that one? You go to Bible college? We just learned songs in Bible college. I'm just That's kidding. That's right. All we do. <laughs> That's all we do. Okay, chapter 12. Bam, I went straight to Esther, straight to our next series. Okay, chapter 12, verse 43. This is how Nehemiah ends. Verse 43. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. You know you're rejoicing when you're rejoicing with great joy. That's like double the joy, rejoicing and joy. Like that's a lot of joy. And the joy of Jerusalem was, we got three joys in one verse. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. On that day, men were appointed over the storerooms and the contributions, the first fruits and the tithes to go gather them in their portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites according to the fields of the towns for Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers. They have worship, man. And there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel, in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, gave the daily portions for the singers. And the gatekeepers, and they set apart that which was for the Levites, and the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. Man, that sounds good. It's awesome. They get to the end, everyone's like doing what they're supposed to do. Like, it's like a long way of saying, like, everyone was doing awesome. How many of you saw the Lego movie, like the original? Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome. Who has never seen that? And you're like, what is happening? Bless you. Um, I think it's on Netflix or Amazon. It's super old. Okay. Um, This is them. Like, they get to the end of all these projects, years of work, and they're there. They're home. Everything is ready to go. Everyone's doing what they're supposed to do. They're singing songs. They're having a good day. And so the question is, man, how do we get there? 
we're gonna spend four weeks talking about it because I said that in like like eight minutes. They went from here to there and they were celebrating and it was awesome. And it's like, cool, I want that too. I wanna just feel like everything's awesome. I just wanna feel like life is going good. Like I wake up with joy on my face. Like I'm excited to serve. I'm excited to be a part of all the things God has for me. I wanna just see like on a regular basis, people I know and love just beginning to fall in love with Jesus yeah. and getting their lives changed. I wanna be, when I come to worship, I wanna come and actually be so excited to worship. How do I get from here to there, Pastor Gabe? How do we get from our life and our heart and our soul looking and feeling like this to looking and feeling like that. What do we do? And, and if you can turn with me to 1 Peter, all the way, almost the very back of the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 2. If you get to James, go one more book. If you get to Revelation, you went too far. 1 Peter chapter 2. When you're there, say, I'm there. Show offs. I'm just kidding. First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. Now, for the next four weeks, this is going to be our key verses. We're going to read this every week. These are our key verses because I think this talks about how we accomplish this. And in First Peter chapter 2, verse 4, it says this. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men... But in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Let me just kind of break that down. Because it's kind of weird. What's a living stone? Is it like a stone that we drew a face on, like painted rocks? Like, <laughs> what are we talking about here? And first, it starts with as you come to him. As you come to him, who is, who is him? This, this, we're talking about Jesus here. As you come to Jesus. And that's not just when you first become a Christian. That's not when you first just get saved. It includes that, but it's every day after that as well. It's your daily life as a Christian. It's your daily walk with Jesus. It's your daily relationship with Jesus. As you come to him, a living stone, which is where we started going with this, this brick idea. I mean, you're like stones and bricks. They're kind of different, but they're very similar, right? Give us a break, right. okay? We're low-budget church. Give us a brick. Okay? It's a brick, but we're talking about stones. But it's a brick, okay. Um, so a living stone, a living stone rejected by men. Now, when you become a Christian, here's the fact. As Christians, um, we don't always fit in nicely in culture. Now, you're in America, did you know that? Okay. Um, welcome to church. You learned something new. Um, you're in America, so you guys kind of have it easy. But even in America, there's plenty of things that our culture is doing that, that the Bible, our relationship with Christ, just doesn't let us line up with. So, so we live kind of counter of culture. And so even today, and even in the greatest country ever, in the freest country ever, we still have this sense of being rejected by men. 
But, it says, but you're chosen by God. You're rejected by men, but you're chosen by God. You're like a living stone, brick by brick. You're like a living stone, brick by brick. You're being built up individually. If, if I, I didn't think about this, and I'm not going to do it, but if I could have thought about this, I would have handed you all a brick because it's individual. You are a living stone. This is, this is supposed to symbolize you. You're being built up as a spiritual house. Now, here's the thing. You personally, hear this out, because this, this can get confusing if you don't listen close. You personally are being built up as a spiritual house. The Bible talks about how we're the temple of the Lord. We, this isn't a temple. This is just a building that people in it make up the church. Does that make sense? These walls aren't the church. We're the church. If this was a school, we would still be a church. Yep. This isn't a temple. We don't have temples anymore because the Bible says that, that now we are the temple of the Lord. That's right. So you, personally, as a Christian, you're being built up. You are the temple of the Lord. You're a living stone being built into this spiritual house. But at the same time, church is meant to be done in community. So not only are you individually being built up, but you individually are one brick with many bricks becoming this mighty, big, beautiful spiritual house. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It's really cool if you think about it. Like Sometimes the Bible can get really confusing, but if you just slow down enough, you can realize, oh, that's pretty simple. Yep. I'm being built up as a spiritual living stone, and so is the person next to me. Together, we're becoming a beautiful spiritual house. We are the church. You with me? We are the church. So you, as a living stone, hear this, you're daily getting better. You're daily getting better. You're growing to be more like Jesus. You're loving God's word, the Bible. You're living holy lives. You're making sacrifices for God. You're repenting and confessing your sin when you fail. Right? That, that's so weird. Our culture doesn't do that. Like, hey, did you fail this week? Did you tell everyone about it yeah. <laughs> so they can help you recover? Like, heck no, I didn't tell anyone about it. I keep that to myself. And at church, we're like, let's be different. Right? God's word says that we need to let each other know, not so that we can gossip, not so that we can point and be like, dang, you suck, but so that we can come alongside you and be like, yeah, I messed up too. Together, we're going to move forward. We're going to be authentic here. We're going to be real here because I need you. Yeah. I need you to be growing. I need you to be becoming to, to be more like Jesus. I need you. Each and every one, and this is so funny. You might be like, you're a pastor. You don't need me. I need you desperately. Yes. You, you, don't, you don't even understand how bad I need you. That's right. And, and let me be honest. You don't understand how bad you need me. Not because I'm a pastor, just because I'm part of the spiritual house. And you don't understand how bad you need the person next to you. I mean, we need each other. That should be a song, right? We, we need each other. Go ahead, just, just be cute for a moment. Turn to one of your neighbors and say, we need you. Does that feel good? <laughs> the siblings are like, no, that doesn't feel good. It feels terrible. Um, we need you, right? We need to fail forward. So we're being built up. But listen, listen, hang with me. It takes work. I listed a bunch of things. Did you hear what I listed? Getting better every day. Growing to be more like Jesus. Loving God's word, the Bible. Some of you are like, I don't even own a Bible. I know, see, we need to, we need to get there. We'll give you a Bible, by the way. If you don't own a Bible, come talk to one of us. We'll give you a great Bible, for yours forever. 
It takes work and it takes time. It takes work and it takes time, but it will last. How do I know it's going to last? How do I know it's going to last? Well, because the cornerstone isn't Pastor Gabe. Everyone say, thank God. Amen. (laughs) Right? So we don't know a lot about building nowadays, but buildings have a cornerstone, and it's the most important piece. It has to be perfect. It has to be strong. It has to be amazing. And if that piece is wrong, then the whole building will be off. Some of you looked around at this building, and you're like, yeah, I think their cornerstone was weird, because look how weird shaped it is, right? Um, and, and so the, the, you have to have a really good, firm, strong cornerstone to make it last. And our cornerstone isn't me. It isn't you. It isn't the most famous Christian you can imagine. It isn't Paul. It isn't Nehemiah. It isn't David. It's Jesus. Jesus is our cornerstone. It's all built upon Jesus, which is why we know, not only does it take work and it takes time, but we know it's built to last because Jesus is the cornerstone. We need each other. I, I need you. Please hear me out. If you've been distracted, please hear me out. If you're in here tonight, you're part of Trademark, you're a Christian, I need you every day working on you. Yeah. Working on your, your spiritual life, working on your heart, working on your soul, working on your connection with Jesus. I need you, Adrian. I need you. Right? I, I need you guys, and, and you need me every day improving, every day becoming more like Jesus. And you're like, man, I thought church was like easy and chill, and you're making it sound like work. It's work. It's work. Every day we're pursuing this. We're, we're trying to become more like Jesus, and we need to. We need to build and rebuild our lives. We have areas... I think if you're being honest with yourself, and I hope you, you are, we have areas that are crumbling. We have areas that are crumbling, and it takes hard work to repair that. It takes hard, if you have, like if you're, just take a minute, maybe close your eyes if it helps you focus. Think about your own life, your own heart, your own relationship with Christ. Do you have an area that's cr- crumbling, that, that, that needs some work? If the answer is no, come talk to me. I'll help you find it. Because yeah. we all have those areas. We all have areas that we're, we're, we're struggling. We're not where we're supposed to be. And it's hard work to repair that. We're, we're not perfect yet. Some of you have been coming to church for a long time, and you're still struggling with the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? You've come to church for a long time and you're still struggling with the same stuff. Some of you have been coming to church for a while and you're still bitter to that person who betrayed you. You're still bitter to your parents. You're still bitter to your, your ex. You're still bitter towards that situation that happened that you said you forgave them, but you really didn't forgive them and you still just really hate them inside. You, you still carry that. You haven't been freed from that. You're, you're still carrying that. Some of you are here and you're still comparing yourself to others. Even right now while I'm, while I'm talking, when, when I said close your eyes and think about you, you were thinking about whoever in the room you thought was perfect. You're like, yeah, well, I guess I'm just not like that person. I'm, just not, I'm not like Steven. Steven's really crushing it over there. I gotta get better. And it's like, yeah, Steven's like this amazing wall. Everyone's like, oh, Steven, I know you're in a comparison trap. You can't even function, right? Yeah. Steven's not in this room. Um, right? Some of you are like, dang it, he caught me. I thought I was perfect. <laughs> you're still comparing yourself to others. That's why you can't... You can't even listen without going, who is Stephen? Am I better than him? Worse than them? Why don't I know him? You're still struggling with friendships. 
you're still doing things your own way in your dating relationships rather than just trusting God's word. You're still doing things your own way in a lot of areas. And things, um, maybe, maybe you look around and you're like, actually, things are getting better, okay. I'm with you. I think things are getting better for me too, but I'm not done yet. I still got more areas to improve. So how do we build or rebuild ourselves to be more like Jesus? How do we move past this life of trying hard and coming up short? How do we, how do we actually live holy lives, and is that even possible? How do, we, how do we love God's word? Have you read it? It's so confusing and boring. Like, how do we love this book? Like, like how, do we, how do we do this? How do we rebuild ourselves to actually be, remember that you are the glory of God. No pressure. How do you build your life to look like the glory of God? How do we wake up each day? Hear this out, because I, I almost guarantee you don't wake up like this. How do we wake up each day with peace in our heart and in our mind? How do we wake up each day with hope how do we wake up each day with joy? How do we wake up each day with fulfillment? How do we get out of the bed in the morning and feel like this and not like that? How do we do that? You can write this on your notes. You probably know the answer, but it's brick by brick. Brick by brick. It doesn't happen just by coming to church one time or for one season. It doesn't happen just by calling yourself a Christian. It doesn't happen just by changing up your friends a little bit. It doesn't happen just by buying a Bible. It happens brick by brick. When I say brick by brick, I mean things like it happens day after day after day after day after day. Yeah. We just keep stacking days. One day of following Jesus and trying to get better in our faith, day two, day three, day 10,000. Like we just keep going and going and going and going and going. Day by day, brick by brick, that's how we do it. Not, not just day by day, but even like disciplines, habits, what we do on that day, right? So not just, if, if we break it all the way down to days, you're like, oh, that's pretty good. I had a few good moments today. What if within that day, you had disciplines that you were doing throughout that day that you were stacking up so that at the end of that day, you had a whole day that you were dedicating to Jesus. That's good. So brick by brick is, is small, right? It, it, it's not, and it's so funny, Actually, we had this thought today. Someone in, in one of our meetings today was talking about someone who was cleaning really well, and they were like, she's a wizard at cleaning. And we were like, whoa. <laughs> um, she, <laughs> she's a wizard at cleaning. And it's like, I feel like some of us are just like, maybe if I just pray hard enough, and I'll open my eyes, and my messy pile of bricks that I call my life will look like that one. Yeah. And then you do that, and you pray really hard, and like, Nothing even moved. It looks worse. How did more yeah. bricks get here, right? right? Like, you know, like maybe if I just go to church four, four Wednesdays in a row, it'll get better. And you're like, all right, one, nothing. Okay, it's okay. It's four Sundays, two, nothing, three, nothing, four, nothing, four, nothing, five, six, seven. Like, what the heck? No, it's brick by brick. It, it's going to require some, some work. It's going to require for you to get your hands dirty. But it, but it takes time, and you, you, you start putting it down. Day by day, discipline by discipline, you start building something, and all of a sudden it looks like something at least, right? Looks kind of like a foundation, looks like I have a plan, 
Looks like I have some direction here. And you're like, man, my bricks aren't, aren't even good bricks. <laughs> like, well, just, just hide that part. <laughs> uh, this one's got a hole in the middle. Okay, just put it there. And just day by day, I'm just, you know, just going to read my Bible today and tomorrow. And, and, and yesterday I didn't even get it, but I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep building. I'm just going to keep trusting God's word. And you're like, oh, holy cow. I might fool some people. It looks like I have something here. I still got a big mess, but I'm building something. It's looking like something. We're going somewhere. Now you're like, that's great, but you're talking very kind of hypothetical. I know. I'll, I'll, real quick, I want to give you five steps for building or rebuilding your life. Five steps. And uh, I'm, I'm not really, a, a, like, I don't really love cookie cutter sermons because it's like, okay, I did those five things. Now everything's going to be perfect. I'm not saying that. I'm saying let's just start somewhere. Let's start with five steps. And, and, and the first one, I think, when I look at Nehemiah, Zerubbabel and Ezra, these leaders who went back to rebuild, it started with a concern. They, they, they looked at the situation. They looked at their home. They looked at the temple. They looked at their relationship with their God. They looked at the walls, and they went, that's not good. What's going to happen and so here's what I would challenge for you. I kind of had you do it, but, but take it further. Tonight, this week, take some time just on your own when it's quiet in your room. Maybe you have like a notepad with you to journal. Maybe you got your Bible with you. Just take a few minutes and just think about your life. Think about your soul. Just what's crumbling? What's falling apart? What takes some work? For, for me, I try to do this every single day because it's, it's brick by brick. It's day by day. So, so, so what's crumbling? Where do I need to be concerned? And then the second thing is confession. Confession. When you see an area that needs work, you confess that to God and others. You confess that to God and others. And, and so the idea is this, like, hey, I have, I'll use porn because porn's, porn's real. I have students who call me from time to time, text me from time to time, and they're like, Pastor Gabe, I really need help. I'm struggling with porn. I'm watching a lot of porn. I'm lusting after people. I'm struggling with my, my gay lifestyle. I'm struggling by sleeping with my girlfriend. I'm struggling by sleeping with my boyfriend, whatever. Like, they come to me with all these sexual things, right? And it's like, well, Pastor Gabe, what should I do? And they, don't, they never like my answer, and usually they stop texting me after the answer. But it's the best answer if you really want to yeah. get, you want to start rebuilding something. You need to confess it. That's right. So, so you're, you, you need to, you're minors, most of you. So you need to go to your parents and say, Mom and Dad, sit down. Let me be real honest with you. I'm struggling here. Yep. Now, I'm going to work hard to get through this. But if I'm going to get through this, I have to confess it to you. I have to confess it to God. This is a concern to me. Next step is confessing it as a concern. For Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah, they go before their authority, who was an evil king. And they said, here's the problem. Our home is a mess. And, and, and you know what? I'm sure they probably thought that he was going to be like, screw you. But what he said was, well, go fix it then. I'm with you. Yeah. Actually, on some of these journeys, he gave them support. He gave yeah. them some army to protect yeah. them and help them because he believed in them and he That's wanted good. to help them. And so many people are like, if I tell someone, they're just going to be disappointed in me. Maybe. I can't speak for your parents. I can't speak for your best friend. I don't know. But I trust God more than that. Yeah. And so we confess it. 
and we move forward. Next, we need, we need to have a commitment. We're going to spend almost a whole week on confession, so I don't want to spend too much time there. We need to go into three commitment. Make a commitment to rebuild yourself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to see this all the way through. A commitment. Four, you need consistency. You need to work at it every single day. When you read through Ezra and Nehemiah, you see these leaders literally weeping and praying and, and, and just <laughs> losing their minds over how terrible the state of their, their city is, the state of their people are. They, they get a commitment and then they just go after it every single day, consistent, brick by brick, day by day, discipline by discipline. We're going to get this thing done. And then five, you absolutely need courage. You absolutely need courage. When you start building something, that's great. And I believe your life in Christ can be great. When you start building something that's great, when you start to rebuild some broken walls, when you start to rebuild some broken relationships, when you start to rebuild your heart, your soul, you're going to need courage because opposition will come. Every single one of these leaders faced opposition. I don't want to give away all the stories because we're going to spend some time in the next three weeks, but, but man, they went through some stuff, but they had courage. And, 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 and there was times, and man, as a pastor, there's so many times I have to do this. There was times they had to, like you, you look at Ezra. Ezra had times where he had to look people in the face and call out their sin. And, and, and tell them to change and demand them to change. And that takes courage, and some of you need courage. All of, all of you need courage, but when you start stepping through this, don't quit. Just don't quit. It doesn't matter if you're like, man, my wall sucks compared to everyone else's yeah. wall. Keep going. Have some courage. Don't quit. Do not quit. Keep working at it. Do the hard things every single day. Worry about God's opinion more than anyone else's. And keep going. It's so funny, this last summer I got invited to go speak in Chicago to a bunch of pastors, and I essentially preached the same exact message. I mean, not about Nehemiah, but the idea of don't quit. The same message I'm telling you at 12 and 18 and 25 is the same message I'm telling pastors who have been in ministry for 12 and 18 and 25 years. Do not quit. Have some courage. Keep going. I don't care if your wall looks terrible. I don't care if the pile is huge. Keep going. Have courage. Press on. My time is super short, but I want to tell you how Nehemiah really ends. Because I told you we were at the end of Nehemiah in chapter 12. I don't know if how many of you noticed there's 13 chapters. There's 13 chapters. The end of the book ends perhaps a bit different than we expect. It's kind of a bit of a letdown. And um, Nehemiah was called back to serve the king. Remember, they're still in captivity, so he was called back to go serve the king for years. And when he returned, what he found was heartbreaking. This is after the party, after everything was built and it looked great. When he returns to his home after serving the king, his heart is broken. And what he finds is the temple that they rebuilt was now being misused. And so he left it looking like this, and when he comes back, the temple is being misused, and, and the wall 
is really just the best view in town to see everyone's sin. That's really what it's good for. Just stand on the wall and watch people just abuse God. And, and, uh, and people honoring God's word, they couldn't even follow the most simple commandments. Like, hey, take a day off. Every week, take a day off. And they're like, we can't. And he's like, you guys suck, right? And so he comes back, and he actually gets pissed because he, all of a sudden, it, it looks really terrible. I mean, Dr. Pepper can't even make that taste better. It, it looks terrible, and, uh, and he gets angry. I love when the Bible gets real. Um, let me just tell you how he starts doing things, because this is how I feel as a pastor sometimes. Um, he gets filled with a lot of passion, and he starts beating people up. He's like, you call yourself a child of God? Idiot. You're like, I'm sure it wasn't that bad. He pulled their hair out. <laughs> like straight Valley View fight, right? Like he's like whipping them around. He, he's throwing people's furniture outside the window. He's cursing people's wives. It's wild. You should read the Bible. It's a great book. But, but hear this out. You can get sidetracked with that. I got I to actually sidetrack with this for a long time today. But realize what he's doing. He's angry and maybe he got a little crazy, but realize what he's doing. He's going to keep working at it. Yeah. He's not going to quit. He's going to come back with the same courage, doing the same things. I have this concern. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to be consistent. And we're going to rebuild this thing again. And here's the big point. No matter how long you've been a Christian, you're always growing. You're always rebuilding. You're always making it better because we are the glory of God. Here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to pray for you. And then I left us just 10 minutes. Adam will adjust. We'll be fine. And and we want to go into small groups. For this series, we're going to be in small groups every single week. And so we're going to go into small groups. And I'll pray before we do this um, because you're going to dismiss straight from small groups. But if you're in high school or older, you're in college, young adult, you're going to be in this room with me. And if you're in middle school or younger, you're going to go out those doors to the couch room. If you haven't found that room yet, it'll be your time. You're going to be with Adam. Let me pray. And then when I say amen, ready, set, go. High schoolers and young adults, you can kind of make this big circle. We'll make this big circle here. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you call us to rebuild. You don't leave us in our mess, but you call us to something greater, something greater than ourselves. Lord, I pray that we would be able to examine our lives and point out the areas of concern, that we would be strong enough to confess, that we would make commitments, and that we would do this brick by brick, day after day with consistency, and God, that you would fill us with courage. I pray for these small groups, God. Help us to just work through this. Help us to get it. Help us to feel it, and help us to make changes in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.